For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and welcome to the latest readout video from our Wednesday Wake Up email newsletter, which begins, I mean the video, not the newsletter, with a request. If you're not already a subscriber and a backer, please visit our website, that's climatediscussionnexus.com, sign up for the Wednesday Wake Up, and make a donation to help us spread the word. Even if we are fools, which is apparently about the kindest word some people are prepared to apply to us. And actually, that's one reason I think it's important to push back firmly in the debate. A lot of alarmists are amazingly impatient with dissent and say with increasing volume and intensity, and frankly, terrible manners, that those who don't share their views should be cancelled at once as morally unworthy. For instance, in the spirit of friendly and open debate, Guardian Environment Editor Damien Carrington just said there are four basic kinds of mentally or morally defective people who disagree with his own opinion on climate, and they are, quote, the shill, the grifter, the egomaniac, and the ideological fool, end quote. And then he devotes an entire column to why you should ignore them all, including people like Michael Schellenberger, and only listen to, well, shucks, Damien Carrington. Now, over at CDN, if we really have to choose, we'd rather be fools than rogues. But what a way to discuss an important issue. In his own mind, of course, Carrington couldn't possibly be considered an egomaniac, a shill, a grifter dependent on his living for holding certain views congenial to, say, The Guardian, or an ideological fool rigidly unable to process contrary information and utterly intolerant of dissent. Those failings only affect other people, and the primary symptom of their having these failings is not embracing his views as soon as he expresses them. But, as we too often have to observe in social media discussion as well, abuse is not argument. It's very revealing that nowhere on Carrington's list does he mention the possibility of someone being a well-informed citizen who's grown tired of failed past alarmist scaremongering, knows today's doomsters are speculating without solid evidence, and doesn't like paying vast amounts of money for policies and schemes that the alarmists say would make no difference if their computer models and assumptions are right. That's why, for our part, we persist in talking about contrary things like how the California blackouts are due to years of what one might, perhaps unkindly, call ideological folly on the subject of alternative energy, rather than to climate change. And, in doing so, we cite Robert Bryce in Forbes about one really remarkable unintended consequence of that folly. Because rising power prices hit the poor hardest, and amazingly, the state of the United States with the highest adjusted for cost of living poverty isn't Mississippi or Arkansas, as you might assume, but California, where 18.1% of the people live in poverty. That's about 7 million people, and one reason they're poor is they pay on average 47% more than the national average per kilowatt hour of energy. But perhaps only shills and fools care about the actual poor, including people in Africa rushing to buy inefficient zombie-used European refrigerators and AC units because well-meaning policies have raised the cost of newer and better ones higher than they can afford. Maybe only grifters care that the wildfires currently afflicting California are the result of a barrage of lightning strikes, which, you guessed it, have been blamed on climate change. Or that that supposed record temperature in Death Valley wasn't a real record. Or that it snowed in Verkoyansk in July, while Australia had unseasonable spring snow and Tasmania just set an all-time low temperature record or that Siberian wildfires have been trending irregularly down over the past 20 years, not up. 
though the New York Times, undaunted, has warned that climate change will soon turn the old Canadian backyard rink into a wetland or a swimming pool. Now, in the spirit of debate, we also give one thumb up, or is it one thumbs up, to a rather silly study claiming the oceans are going to suffocate in 15 years because of climate change, or maybe have already started to. Of course they won't, partly because they're far too complex for the simplistic analysis in the study. But nevertheless, we like the fact that this particular scare story gives us a firm rather than a shifting and shifty deadline. Death by 2035 or your oxygen back. And we also like the debate over whether the sudden mysterious cooling just as the last glaciation was ending, known somewhat oddly as the Younger Dryas, which turns to be after a flower that likes cool temperature, might have been due to the planet taking an asteroid right in the Greenland about 12,800 years ago. You know, whether or not that's true, what we like about this hypothesis in the debate is it underlines that CO2 is not the beginning and end, the alpha and the omega of debates about temperature or about temperature changes. But we don't like the claim in Climate Forward that, quote, Hurricane Isaias, which had just plowed up the East Coast, wildfires in California and Nevada, the risk of severe thunderstorms in the Central Plains, parts of Texas still waiting for damage assessments from Hurricane Hannah last weekend, and of course COVID-19, is what living with climate change will look like, a relentless grind of overlapping disasters, major and minor, end quote. Including a professor at Rusk Rutgers who'd have you believe we're going to get worse allergies and more autism. See, it's just not logical to assume that every climate tipping point is necessarily in the direction of overwhelming runaway disaster. If it were, why didn't the Earth get pushed into a state of hideous, almost uninhabitable wilderness long before now, instead of being warm, wet, and lush for most of the last half billion years? There's got to be more resilience in the ecosystem than the alarmists claim. And there's lots more in the newsletter, including why computer models can't handle the physics of clouds and why it matters for climate change. And from our collaboration with CO2Science.org, we have a study of greening trends in the grasslands of the Northern Great Plains, and another study on how much rising CO2 has contributed to a much more general greening of the planet over the last few decades. So as always, if you're enjoying these videos in the newsletter, please forward them to friends and colleagues and encourage them to subscribe. Also, join us on YouTube, or Climate DN. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, send your comments and ideas via our blog, and to help us keep providing content, if you're not already, please do become a contributor. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson.